Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm here today in Beverly Hills with my most virus-free co-host, Millicent Ravello. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? Good. <laughs> Dr. Ravello, I don't know if you're truly virus-free, but I think you are. I hope I am. I'm not having any symptoms. Have you? Are we, you? I, I definitely have had no symptoms, <laughs> but we truly don't know if we've even had it or already or whatever. But this coronavirus is making people totally insane. Totally insane. So let's preface this by saying that this is probably the weirdest week we've had in Los Angeles in a long time. And I think that's Very probably strange. applicable across the country. We are sort of in the middle, in the midst of coronavirus frenzy. Coronapocalypse. Apocalypse. That's totally what it is. <laughs> How are you surviving the coronapocalypse? Well, I'm surviving very well. For one thing, I understand viruses and so do you. Even though we are not infectious disease experts. No, no, let's make that very clear. We are, we are plastic surgeons who understand disease. We went to medical school. We studied virology. Yep. I will mention that I did get an A at Vanderbilt in virology. Oh, I think my only, <laughs> my only clean molecular biology A that I ever got <laughs> while I was in that impossible major. By the way, do you know at Vanderbilt that 250 people declared molecular bio as their major and 23 of us graduated with the major. <laughs> I could totally see that. <laughs> Having taken molecular biology, brutal. I could see that. With that said, we're not infectious disease experts, but we do know what we are doing about coronavirus and we want to share that with our listeners. Yes. Um, and I think it's important to know, like you said, you know, we are not the specialists, but we do have the training in taking care of sick patients and in understanding disease processes. So I think it's just helpful to sort of get our take as medical professionals on what we see and what we think will potentially happen going forward. Yeah. I mean, right now, I, I mean, what's with the toilet? Paper? What's with the toilet paper? <laughs> Maybe that's the name of this, this podcast. That's what it is. I mean, what's the, what's with the toilet paper? Oh my goodness. I mean, so... I mean, we've talked about this. I am the worst at buying in bulk. I cannot do it. I shop <laughs> every five to seven days and I get exactly what I need. It's my five apples, one avocado, one box of cereal, and that's it. So my usual day to go grocery shopping is Saturday or Sunday. So I did my usual weekend grocery shopping. <laughs> nothing there. There's <laughs> like, nothing. There's here. nothing there. It's and, crazy. And the lines to get in, the lines at the grocery store, it's absolutely nuts. And I think that's probably a little overkill because we're not being quarantined yet. We're not stuck in the house yet. And even if the government well, were to shut down and say no one can leave their houses, you'd still be able to go get groceries. Right. They would say, except to do essential right. functions. Right. They wouldn't lock doctors down because somebody needs to take care of these patients. They right. wouldn't lock down grocers because right. people need to eat. Groceries, and, pharmacies. Right. So, yeah. and I, I do want to also bring it home for people about the statistics on this coronavirus. Like th there are 98 to 99% of people who get sick not who are exposed to the virus. Like they have like, they diagnosed, like let's, let's yeah. look at the different levels of what people say on the news. There's this many people tested positive. Okay. That doesn't mean they're sick. Right. Like there are a lot of people getting tested who are not sick. They're like, oh, I was on a plane, blah, 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 yeah, blah. And I had I an think, exposure. Yeah. Right. The, the, there was a woman in Seattle and I put it out over my Twitter. Her story was I was home. I was sick as hell. I just felt like crap. And afterwards I kind of read the symptoms. And after I got better, I went and got tested. And they're like, yeah, you had coronavirus. So, there are test positive people 
And then there's going to be a ton of people that never even get tested who are totally sick with this coronavirus right now and will recover because 98 to 99 percent of people are not going to have huge problems with this virus. 98 to 99 percent of people who we have tested, and that's not including the people that we haven't tested. And the guidelines to be tested are actually as of now quite stringent if yeah. the, the the cdc guidelines you know you have to have the symptoms of uh, some kind of lower respiratory problems cough shortness of breath plus a fever plus some kind of known exposure That's so right. if you don't have that extra layer of known exposure they're not testing you so i think that we are missing a lot of people who like that lady in seattle had a community acquired, had acquired it in some way and just never got tested. So if you're looking at the number of people that we haven't even tested and you add that to the amount of people that have coronavirus, it really does put that mortality rate even lower because now you're looking at an even bigger pool of otherwise totally fine people. I mean, I don't, uh, (laughs) you know, I don't pretend to say that it's not terrible for the people that get very sick. It is. No, absolutely. And, And, you know, so is you know, Legionnaire's disease and tuberculosis and, you know, other things that are, are still out there, by the way, yeah. this is not the only disease people are fighting. So I think the, the problem when there's this total mass hysteria over one little thing, you, you like it gets harder to get diagnosed with other things because right. other, uh, other diseases haven't quit. They didn't all go on a lunch break. Because <laughs> coronavirus came. Corona, like, oh, you know what? We're all out. You know, coronavirus, you take it from here. Like, there's not going to be any more, you know, staff Influenza, infections. we out. That's right. The flu's finished. We don't even care. Like, I mean, Dr. Drew was like, hey, you know what I think the message should be is get your flu shot. Yeah. He goes, because 60,000 people are going to, he goes, I don't even know how many people are going to die from this coronavirus. Some definitely are. He goes, but it's not going to be 60,000. And the flu is going to kill way more people than this coronavirus will. Whether that's true or not, time will tell. I think he's right. I think that this is a very weak virus. As a, a guy who did pretty well in virology, <laughs> that's my only claim to fame in, in the virus world. I can tell you that coronavirus doesn't like heat, and it's going to get hot pretty soon. And that's going to be the end of this virus for quite some time. Maybe it'll come back in the fall. What do you yeah. think on that? Well, we've known about coronavirus. We've studied coronavirus. It's been around forever. It's the cause of the common cold, mostly. This is obviously a very mutated form of it. So I think that's why it's unpredictable. Yes, generally speaking, coronavirus should not tolerate heat. This is a little bit of a different strain. So I think that we can't make the same general rules for because we just don't know yet right but well, that's true you know statistically generally speaking yes it should get better in warmer weather we may see it come around again once it gets cold and in a new form like we do with the flu you know we change the flu vaccines every year based on what we think is going to be the new form of it you know each flu season and going back and sort of touching on the flu people like to compare the flu to coronavirus and let's talk about that and what the differences are so the flu, you know, we say, you know, changes every year depending on how bad the strains are. But I think an average number of people who get the flu is somewhere in the like 50, what is it? 50,000 people a year? Who get it? No, who potentially could die. It's oh, like it's 20, th- yeah, year 20 over to 50,000 right. die of the flu. Yes. But the number of people that get it is in the millions. 5,000 people died in February from the flu. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, and so it's, it's a low, in the U.S., in the it's U.S., not low, around the world. That's in the U.S. Yeah. 
And it's a low mortality rate. It's like a 0.1 mortality rate. And they're saying coronavirus is maybe 1%. So coronavirus is 10 times more deadly than the flu, but way less people are probably going to get it. Right. The people like a lot, a bulk of the country gets the flu. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of people do die from it, which is unfortunate. Right at this point, while we're doing this podcast, there are 2,900 cases, known cases of coronavirus, this COVID-19 in the U.S. And I think the number was like 47 deaths. That certainly will rise. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I don't, we don't know how high it will go. We don't know how long it will go. But it definitely will rise. And I think for the next, you know, foreseeable future, people should plan on really ramping up their hygiene. You know, obviously, it's clear that a lot of people did not know how to wash hands. That's that's been kind of beaten to death by by multiple. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Yeah. I mean, that's a good idea. Wash your hands. You know, you you see someone, you shake hands, wash your hands. Yeah. But I I think you shouldn't shake hands right now. I think it, it just is a sign that you're paying attention. No. I, I do agree with that. Although it's hard. I always feel very um, rude when I walk into a patient's room, you know, seeing a patient for the first time. I don't shake the hand. I'm like, just, it feels weird. If I feel, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> right. Because we're used to that human yeah, contact. Yeah. But to right just walk now, in and stare at them and say hello, just, it seems weird. Well, this won't be the last version of this coronavirus. There'll be other ones in the future. So what lessons can we take from right now? I mean, I, I don't know that, uh, I don't know what the antiviral properties of toilet paper are (laughs) that you need to have, you know, 96 days worth of toilet paper in your house, but evidently that's the key. And bottled water. And bottled water. Well, the water comes out of the tap. I know. I'm cool with that. If you really, really want to make your own bottled water, just boil it. No, people, it's like there are signs at the cash register, two bottles of gallons per customer. (laughs) Like. They're but running you can, I know. They're, they're not shutting the running water I know, off. This I know. isn't an earthquake. I know. <laughs> so what struck me as I was watching how people, you know, we, we we sort of in my house were like, yeah, I guess we should get some extra food. We have a zillion people in my house. So we always have a lot of food. That's kind of the deal. But we weren't like, hey, you know, we're going to really need to wipe our butts. <laughs> We're going to go get more toilet paper. Like there's something down with this, you know, butt wiping and the virus. Like we got to do this. Um, but whatever. If, if people want their toilet paper, I get it. The There are other options. If uh, there are no toilet paper, I'd like to say that facial tissues actually make pretty, pretty good butt wipes if you need Showers. Um, showers are good. Baths, I, I, yes. I remember a, uh, a security guy at uh, Cornell at my medical school that would not wipe his butt every time he had to have a bowel movement he would take a shower and i just was like okay whatever whatever you got to do <laughs> you need to shower every time so he would have to like leave <laughs> to go home and then like do a whole routine but he just did not he did not need to, he would not be buying toilet paper at this point he'd be he'd like be what fine. is with you people he'd be fine he'd be like cool so if that's all you need to get through coronavirus is some water and toilet paper that's great for most of us that's probably all you need to get through yeah. this uh, and then wash pandemic. Your hands. You wash, and your then hands, wash your hands, distance yourself from others that may be sick. Um, but also, you can't tell who's been exposed and you can't tell. So you just have to kind of have a, a uh, and, and we use this in the operating room, we have a uh, sterility conscience. Right. You know? So our, our head is all about when we're in the OR, if we think something's contaminated for some reason, we just change. We get rid of it. That we get rid Done. of it because yeah. and this so is contaminated. Like, give me anyone. Right. So you don't yeah. even take the chance. Yeah. Your, your sterile conscience 
really makes you aware. So I think the it's good for the U.S. and for the rest of the world. And, and there are some places, I mean, like they really need to develop even a little bit of sterile conscience if you don't want to spread disease all over the yeah. place. And so that works. So if you think a surface needs to be wiped down, wipe, wipe it, down. it down. You yeah, think do you, you forgot if, whether you washed your hands before you came into the room, wash your hands. You know, change your clothes, do the things that you need to do that really eliminate any chance that even if you did get exposed that you've kind you're of passed taken it on to yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, the other thing is, is don't pick your nose. <laughs> I know that seems like I feel ridiculous like to say. Kindergarten lessons here. I mean, <laughs> don't pick your nose. That's right. Wipe don't your suck hands. on your fingers. Like <laughs> don't poke other people in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because this is how this virus moves around. Now I will tell you that I, I really do believe that the measures that are being taken are extraordinary. Um, but they are probably necessary in the in the fact that you can't really depend on everybody to do the right thing. They just aren't going to do right. independently. everything yeah. independently well. There are going to be people that are like, I'm not going to get sick. It's not for me. It's not hitting young people, which is, is more or less true. I mean, it's not, like, which is really curious. Yeah, about the kids aren't getting sick yeah. with this. Thank God. Or but they, they but are, they are carriers. Yeah, they might be, they might have it, but for some reason as opposed to the flu, it just doesn't affect them as much. They don't get sick or they're very mild, but little disease vectors that they are, they're passing it on to everyone around them. Totally. And and so that's a good reason to shut down the schools. To shut down the schools. I was, my kids I, did not complain. I know. I was I was kind of anti the whole LAUSD shutting down. My son's in LAUSD, Los Angeles Unified School District right now. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, that's that's probably the right thing to do. That's a lot of kids in a very close space. It is a lot of disease, potential disease spreading. Right. Especially if they're not getting sick from it. Right. They don't really know. They don't have they, symptoms. They pick their noses. They pick their noses. They pick their butts. They, they do all that stuff. Don't wash their hands. They, yeah, That's true. And then they eat it. It's <laughs> awful. It's, <laughs> it's just gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like when you, like, I don't know if you remember like, your infectious disease class, but we had this guy who he was like 11 and uh, <laughs> he he taught us infectious disease basically with a story about how he got every single infectious disease like on the planet <laughs> at some point <laughs> and every one of them was like you know basically like i felt sick then i had diarrhea then i you know didn't do well after that so it's like you, you just would hear these stories and you'd be like man i'm i'm never like touching anything ever again ever again but the truth is you can touch things and the the fact is most people aren't going to get sick from this most people are going to recover from it you know, our, my my office is open. We're seeing patients. We're we're doing. Uh, you're keeping your office open as well, right? Yeah, our office is open. We're still doing surgeries. Um, it's not clear yet. Um, in the inpatient setting, you know, if we're going to continue doing elective surgeries, there has been some talk about that. Just not because there's a worry of spread within the hospital, but it's about conserving resources. Right. That's so key. I mean. You know, with our surgery center and on the hospital side as well, we are running low on masks, on gowns, on sterile supplies, number one, because there's been a run on them, number two, because a lot of them are coming from China. So we actually have to ration the gowns and the gloves and the masks. And so the idea is that 
you know, if we can sort of limit the extra people and, and cases coming into the hospital, we can save what we do have for patients that may need it if they're really sick, which is also the same reason to get a flu shot. Because if you can decrease the amount of people coming into the hospital with just run-of-the-mill flu, you're, right. you're conserving your overall resources. So from that setting, it's not a safety issue to go on and have your elective surgery. You know, in the no. inpatient setting, it's more about conservation of resources. In the outpatient setting, it's business as usual. Yeah, and we, in fact, uh, I've had, since the kids are out of school, I've had a few parents call up and say, hey, you know, that June rhinoplasty, how about we do it now? <laughs> how about we off? do it now? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Why not? I mean, it's brilliant. You have the time. And this is like the time to get through your to-do list. Oh, man, I've been meaning to get my Botox done. I've been meaning yeah. to get that filler done. I've been meaning, you know. And as long as you're, you're, you're responsible about it. Obviously, if you're having symptoms, a cough, a fever, just stay home. Even if it's the yes. common cold, just stay home. We're doing the same thing in our offices with our employees. If anybody has any hint of sickness, just stay home. Non-essential personnel, stay home. So everything is, is, is running, you know, yeah. it's open. Well, it's not the end of the world. I mean, but this, you know, I, I can tell you that during World War I, I did some reading about the Spanish flu. Now, this was a killer virus. That was a bad one. That was how many people? Like 20 million? 50, 50 million? It was 25 to 50 million people dead. Yeah. yeah. And they, what it was is during World War I, this flu hit... And it was like people would get it in the morning and be dead by night. Yeah, that was and bad. that was probably some sort of coronavirus as well. And so the there are viruses that can do this. It is not you know it's not out of the question that you can have you know lots of disease from them. This virus, you know, maybe a little bit more virulent than SARS was. No, but, I think SARS is, was more. SARS was like a 10% more oh, I'm, Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, SARS was, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of swine flu. Oh, yeah. Uh, swine flu, the H1N1, was not quite as bad as this one. But still, the White House didn't say anything with H1N1 until 30,000 Americans were dead from yeah. it. That's very different. Right. We have 47 people that are dead right now, and there's been a world shutdown <laughs> over this. So I'm not saying, you know, who's right or wrong. Britain took the, you know, rip the bandaid off approach, which is like, you know, we're just going to build some immunity. This will run its yeah. course. Some pe- we're going to lose some people yeah. and, and some people aren't, which is probably totally fine, except that politically. It, it sounds awful. Awful to yeah, say Yeah, you that. can't go out and be like, mm, we're going to kill off the weak and the rest of you will be, you'll, you'll be better for <laughs> Time it. Time to thin the herd. <laughs> you know, and that's basically that. what it is. Um and it has merit in the sense that that's how immunity works. That is how immunity Exposure works. Exposure to low-grade levels, people with healthy right. immune systems, build immunity, they pass it on. That's right. how it works. Right. So let me, let me play the evolutionary scientist sort of uh, – I'll put that hat on for a minute. What if we need this exposure to this coronavirus to be ready for the next one, which is like a Spanish flu? Because not, we didn't get all the exposure we needed to this one. What if that's the case? You know, what if evolution knows how to do this? Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't intervene because you should. Even back in the day, how ironic that one of the first big mass quarantines was in Venice in the 1600s, where they just said, you can't leave your house. And everybody did it because they saw how many people were dying. So I'm not saying that quarantines are wrong or the wrong way to go about it and and I'm saying that there's, there's always that devil's advocate in me that says like, well, 
But what if? Why yeah. shouldn't we just let this run? Yeah. Because that's the way DNA works. No, I hear you. I think that there are two very different schools on thought, schools of thought about that. Um, and I, I don't know which one is the right one. But I think if you're going to choose one, then you choose when you need to go with it. So That's if right. America is saying containment, then you follow containment. Because if you're, I like you know, it. you're I blending the lines, then I think you're missing the point. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of containment right now because I, I will tell you this. It's stressing the system and it's showing you weaknesses. And you know what? This is a good one to do it on. Not if like California cracks off and floats out into the Pacific Ocean. You don't want to figure out then that you've got problems with your response team, right? Then you might need bottled water. You may need bottled water then. But that's the point is that like nobody even had bottled water to the level that they should. Yeah. You know, our our earthquake response system in the in the Calvert household was, you know, okay, but it's not great. You know, I'd... I just think that there I'm seeing things and, and maybe everybody else should take a look too and say, yeah. what if the big earthquake comes? Cause right. this is like a, a mini, it, it's a good experiment. stress. Yeah. It is like, I, yeah, clearly I have nothing in my home, you know? So do you have that emergency? If, you're fri- if it's Friday, you're screwed. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> you better screwed. hope that, that earthquake <laughs> takes place on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll be very skinny. I'm going to come back after that earthquake looking like. <laughs> That's right. That was a good earthquake. I got very svelte during that time. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, what if, you know, what if that's really what it's about? And so I think it's always good to ask those questions. But for right now, for our listeners, don't freak out. It's going to, it will pass for sure. There will be very, very significant ramifications to the economy. (laughs) Which, yeah, we're for sure seeing that. But that's okay. That's just money. Like you it'll know, come back. It, it comes it'll come back, back, and it'll be fine. Yeah. But but you have to know that that freaking out and and having panic is actually a way to lower your immune system and stress yourself so that you can actually. <laughs> and let's talk about that real quick because we're we're you know trying to tone down the hysteria, but there are certain groups that probably should be more careful, right? For sure. So older people, people with underlying medical problems. We have a lady in one of our offices who's actively taking chemotherapy. She's staying home. Oh, you know, she she's yeah, she's yeah. not coming to work. So um, even our pregnant, we had a pregnant practitioner that we're keeping home. So pregnant women, um, people undergoing chemotherapy, obviously, major mil- illnesses. You know, even if you're a smoker and you have some... Bad Definitely. lungs. You might be super healthy overall, but you your lungs are compromised. Like they won't take sure. a joke. So if you have you're older, you have these underlying health problems, particularly lung based problems, you should be a little more careful. You should not yep. be getting your elective procedures and your, your Botox. Maybe you should be the one staying home. Well, that was the first death in New York was an eighty two year old woman with emphysema. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you get you don't stand a chance with this. Yeah, this your is, lungs are this teetering. This is a respiratory as virus. It is. Yeah, this thing is k- kicking the crap out of people's lungs. Yeah, and I've talked to a bunch of people who I think have had it. You know that they they just said, yeah, I just couldn't breathe, and I took antibiotics a bunch of times because they were getting super infection. And so that is where I think you know you have to pay attention. If you do get sick, you know, go see your doctor. Go treat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Go go yeah. see a doctor. It's uh, you don't have to go to the emergency room. Like I love that term, you know. Yeah, go to <laughs> that no, term don't, is lost don't on Don't go to the emergency room. <laughs> it's an emergency. Well, I have a cough. <laughs> like, you, did you read the sign outside? It says emergency. I, I don't know. I, I I think a lot of people use the emergency room as their doctor and as their clinic because they just don't have one. Yeah. But um, I think you you should go to your doctor, make an appointment, do do like yeah. you know you call, should call Take ahead care and of see yourself. what their policy is. Like some doctors might change. They might not want. 
you know, potential coronavirus in their office. So call ahead, call your doctor and say, I, you know, I'm concerned. I have a fever and a cough. What do you want me to do? Yeah, because I mean, it's true. You don't want to like go to the gynecologist for that. <laughs> Which a lot of women use their gynecologist as their right. primary care true. doctor. That's true. They do. And that, you know, the gynecologist is going to be like, uh, <laughs> I can give you a pap smear. But like, you know, this lung stuff is not my thing. You know, you need to see somebody who is skilled in the diagnosis of respiratory disease. Your family practitioner, your internist, right. pulmonologist, somebody who has seen this. And I think a lot of doctors right now, including myself, are, I'm reading like, what does this look like when the patients show up? Right. You know, I right. want to know. What is the constellation and of, of symptoms and, and what's going on with their lungs and how do their x-rays look? And, you know, it's, it's just we're doctors. We're curious. We, yeah. we want to know. Just because I'm a plastic surgeon doesn't mean I don't take care of people, you know, for whatever. They all yeah. we operate on people who have all kinds of medical problems. Got to you got to be familiar with everything. That's part of our deal. Well, anything else about our uh Corona Corona apocalypse. Corona apocalypse. No, I, I, I just. I was going to say Corona Palooza, but that might oh. be the uh, that might be the festival that's, for afterwards. That's been postponed till October. Well, I would do it in July because I think in October we might see a little bump of this. Again. I know, I know. I think July thirty first is probably the day the for day Corona Palooza because there won't be any around. I mean, that's really. Uh, I, I, you'll see. I think this uh, during the summer, this thing's going to really, really take a hiatus. Well, here's hoping. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But please, if you have questions, you can email us. You can, uh, well, I, I guess direct message is better through the uh, um, through the Instagram, yeah. which is uh, at Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Pod. Uh, and then also our individual websites, which is uh, in the, in our, I think it's on the bio in our, uh, our Instagram as well. So, Dr. Vella, anything else? We good? I think we covered it. Cool. Well, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is MediSpa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-644-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty, and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. 
Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.